Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I am about to play for you possibly the most obscure piece of music that you will hear all day. You ready for this? The most obscure piece of music, not all day, all year. The most obscure piece of music you will hear all year. Listen to this. Have you have you ever heard this song before? If you if you can identify this song and know anything about it, uh, I will be blown away, impressed. Five seven five zero zero is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Five seven five zero zero. Send me a note. Uh, I'm going to reveal it here in a second uh, and tell the story of this song and how it relates to medicine and possibly a vaccine for the coronavirus. <laughs> it doesn't really. But uh, th- this song, it's called Lily the Pink. It's called Lily the Pink, and it was uh, written and performed there by a group named The Scaffold. The Scaffold uh, dates back to the, the 60s, and <laughs> the, the one of the, the, the lead singer and the writer of this song is uh, a gentleman named Peter Michael McCartney, the brother of Paul McCartney. Did you know that? Did you know that, uh, that Paul McCartney's brother had himself... Uh, a band uh, ran from about 64 to 77 called The Scaffold. Uh, they were kind of like into poetry and comedy and uh, different sorts of kind of offbeat uh, musical presentations like that. And they, uh, during their time together there uh, in the mid to late 60s, early 70s, they put together this song called Lily the Pink. Now, what's the song Lily the Pink all about? Well, I'll tell you. Have you ever heard of someone named Lydia Pinkham? Lydia Pinkham, or Lily the Pink, she was, in the 1800s, she was uh, a woman who sold uh, women's tonic. She was the inventor, she was the marketer, and her marketing was interesting. It was the first time uh, the, the, the image of a human being was used uh, to sell a product. And if you, uh, like me, spend any amount of time combing through old archived newspapers, you will see uh, the image of Lydia Pinkham there in newspapers from years and years ago. She would sell uh, a, a women's tonic, and uh, it, was, it was advertised to help with uh, you know, certain lady issues. All right. It was called uh, Pinkham's Vegetable Compound, and uh, for for many many years, she made a lot of money. 
a lot of money. Uh, in fact, later uh, building a giant factory in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Her children later took over the took over the business, and they went on to make even more and more money leaning into the marketing of these products. Uh, and what are the products? W- what is it that, uh, that exactly uh, was being sold under the name of Lydia Pinkham? <laughs> what exactly was being described in the song Lily the Pink, uh, written by the brother of Paul McCartney? Well, quackery, nonsense, nothing good, all right? Patent medicine is a term uh, which dates back to the 18th and 19th centuries, uh, and there are these uh, kind of concoctions and tinctures which have been uh, sold throughout time. And before a time of good medical uh, regulation, uh, they ran rampant around this country. Uh, the, the ingredients were, you know, sometimes little uh, vegetable extracts for color and consistency and uh, maybe aroma, uh, but then uh, you'd get a good deal of alcohol in there. Right, so the remedy to, to to any ailment was just to get a little bit drunk, and you had some uh, snake oil salesmen, uh, some folks who had really decided to lean into this and sell this to the masses. Uh, you had folks making all kinds of uh, crazy claims about what was possible, about what uh, could be cured by these uh, concoctions, and. Well, then the, the FDA comes in, and here in the United States, we get a little bit of a handle on those uh, types of claims, and there isn't uh, as much danger out there in unknown, in unknown uh, concoctions. Uh, but one thing that does prevail, or one thing that does persist, I should say, uh, and it is taking place uh, today, there is a group of uh, scientists not necessarily a group working together, but there are scientists around the country and around the world who are doing something interesting in uh, their own personal laboratories. There are scientists right now who are impatient with the pace of the development of a coronavirus vaccine, and so they are taking their own know-how, their own resources, and their own belief in their ability to develop a vaccine for themselves, uh, and they are doing so. And some of them are testing it on themselves and on their loved ones. And they justify it by uh, saying, well, you know what? Desperate times uh, call for uh, desperate measures. And so these unproven versions of uh, their own DIY coronavirus uh, vaccines are being uh, administered to sometimes friends and family. Now, what do you think about that? Now, we've covered a lot of ground here in this conversation. Uh, We started uh, with a silly song. We learned about uh, an obscure piece of Paul McCartney history. Uh, We we learned about the the marketing family of Lydia Pinkham and the the, the quackery, the, the snake oil that was sold forever and ever ago. You know, these concoctions that were uh, mixed together in uh, people's own homes and sold without regulation. Well, what if it were possible for uh, an actual vaccine to emerge somehow uh, from a similar attitude? But in this case, uh, by minds who are specially trained uh, to, to bring it about. You and I probably have in our lives uh, people who, uh, who, who feel very strongly uh, about um, alternative medicine. 
Uh, I have been uh, faced with n- numerous conversations about this uh, in in my life. Uh, you know, you're you have some sort of ailment, and someone uh, in your friend circle says, "Oh, you know, I know just what to, my my uncle. He's got this, and, and it works just fine for him." Uh, and the tricky thing for for you and me, who aren't you know, you and I aren't snake oil salesmen, and you and I aren't scientists. And yet when we are presented uh, with these scenarios, when we are presented with these uh, remedies, uh, it is beholden upon us uh, to, do, to, to sort out whether or not someone is about to poison us, someone is about to take advantage of us, or uh, some other category. It's an interesting thing. It's interesting, and the, and the history of it is interesting, and I am so glad that we have uh, processes available uh, for through, through which potential vaccines for the coronavirus uh, can pass. Uh, I'm glad that we are not wholly dependent uh, on folks uh, checking and testing things in their own at-home laboratory. But I am fascinated by those. Uh, if 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 there is some sort of Jonas Salk out there, if there is a Mira Curie out there who is able to uh, to come up with some miracle and they're able to then present it to uh, you know an established uh, company that can put it through the appropriate trials, uh, then that'd be wonderful. That'd be a, someone who's going to win some awards, uh, who's going to be on, on top of the world and uh, might even be uh, a hero when all this is uh, said and done. Until then, be leery, uh, be leery, be uh, be cautious, and uh, I think you and I will be uh, just fine when this is all said and done. We're going to take a break here in a moment. When we return, we'll be speaking with the Deputy Director for Policy and Programs for the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, Perry Pendley will be my guest. We're going to talk about uh, a number of things uh, recently uh, passed and signed by the president is the Great American Outdoors Act. Uh, controversial. Controversial. It split the Utah delegation uh, because of some of the things included. And we'll talk to uh, the deputy director about what it means for Utah. Also going to be talking about the realignment of certain BLM uh, headquarters to here, offices in Salt Lake City and Grand Junction. Uh, also, uh, the Dingle Act. And its implementation here in the state of Utah and the great outdoors and our access to them. Right now, as we look uh, each weekend for ways to escape the monotony uh, of life and the COVID virus as we uh, deal with it, uh, how can we best how can we best interact with the out of doors? Uh, those are some questions I'll be asking of Perry Pendley next, Deputy Director for Policy and Programs with the Bureau of Land Management. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.